Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. A few visual aids for later on, if you behave yourselves. Well, thank you, Wayne. Good on you, Christy, for questioning his driving ability. Very wise indeed. In fact, in, in, in fact um, not so long ago, they were down in the snow and um, staying down in, in Queenstown. And uh, Christy was watching the snow come down and, and she passed this comment and, and she said, since the snow has come down, all my jolly husband has done is look through the window. And she says, if this snow keeps coming down, I'll have to let him in soon. <laughs> the church, what a great song that was about the church. And so this series this month is about the church, and we've had two good, really good messages. Uh, Pastor Paul, he talked to us about three different things. One, he talked about the glorious church as the body of Christ. That's true. We're all parts of the body. We're all parts. We all have our place to play, our place to fit. And then he talked about the church as the gift of God to the Son. Of all that Jesus had accomplished, the greatest thing that he accomplished was to begin the church and to build the church and to make the way open for people to come into a living relationship with him. And then thirdly, he talked about the church as the living expression of God's love to the world. Where are the people in our community going to find the love of God? They're going to find it through the church. And so we are that expression uh, of Christ to the community. And Pastor Harry talked to us about that the church is specifically created to introduce the government and the kingdom of God into our society. The rule of God. God's way of doing things, and it's the church that brings those things into a society, and it's so, so important. He talked about the church as a place of nurture. It's a place of protection. It's a family. He talked about being a family where we get what is, what is provided. We, we, we see what is provided through the church. We don't see what is lacking. Then he talked about that scripture in Psalms about those who are being planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. Did you, did, did you get that? Those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. You know, a, a, a tree needs to be planted for it to keep growing. I have noticed that in my garden, if I keep pulling the trees out and repositioning them, that they don't do so well. In fact, most of them die eventually. But we need to be planted, yeah? yeah? And so this morning I'm going to continue that series and it's my privilege and thank you, Pastor Paul, for inviting me to be able to share this morning because there's so many things, isn't there, that we could talk about the church. Um, and we could go on this for the next couple of months. We could talk about, because the Bible uses many different pictures for the church. It talks about the, the church being like a bride that is prepared for, being prepared for a husband. Pastor Harry talks about the body made up of many parts, but all connected and submitted to our head. If your body's not com connected to your head, you will have difficulties. <laughs> Jesus talked about the church being like a flock of sheep. 
under the care and leading of the shepherd. It's like a family with God as our father. Paul talked about it as being a building with every part in its place, fulfilling its function. He also talked about the church being like a temple that is filled with the presence of God and with the praises of his people. Another place in the Bible talked about the church being like an army. So all these are pictures with Jesus leading us into victory. All these things are pictures of the church and they're worth thinking about and we could share a whole Sunday on any of those things and, and gain a whole lot. Uh, and so uh, we could do that. But this morning, I really felt it on my heart that I wanted to share with you a scripture that is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. And it talks about the church and tells us something else about the church. And he's talking to Timothy and Paul writes this. He said, if I am delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So this morning we want to talk about the church as being the pillar and the foundation of the truth. Yes? Father, we just pray, Holy Spirit, just come among us. We thank you for your presence, but become real to every person in this room. Lord, as we open your word together, I just pray that you'll speak to us from it. And what your church, encourage us that you'll build our faith and that you'll instruct us. And what your church is all about. That, Lord, we might be glad about the church. That we might be, know that it's such a privilege to be included in the church. And Lord, just anoint me now to share what you've placed on my heart. In Jesus' name, amen. In a society that is increasingly confused about the truth, the church is the place where truth is found. In a society where truth is falling in the streets, where that which used to be right is now termed as wrong, that which used to be termed as good is now termed as not good anymore, People need a redirection to the truth. What is truth? The Bible tells us that the church is like a pillar that holds up the roof of a building. In the same way the church is to uphold the truth. Not only that, but the church is to proclaim that truth upon which all of society is to be founded. Friends, if truth gets eliminated from our society, then confusion and chaos will begin to reign where we no longer know what is the truth. And we begin to, begin to believe all sorts of other things that will lead us further and further away from God. The society is meant to be founded upon truth. That's the only way that's going to function correctly. It's the only way that God intends that mankind should live. Truth is a foundation of society. Without it, that society disintegrates. We're living in a time where we are talking about fake news. That our airwaves are being 
constantly filled with news items that are just not true. My youngest son is one of the principal leaders of Google in the, in, in the uh, um, area of uh, securities. And he is involved in the worldwide, he has teams in different parts of the world who are constantly trying to fight this thing of fake news, of things being perpetrated upon our societies from other societies, and they're telling us the truth. So in the end, even when it comes to elections, we don't know what the truth is. That stories are fed into our airways over and over again. And we begin as a society to make decisions on things that are just not true, never were, just made up by someone with a bias of opinion. And so truth becomes very important. The word for the church, ecclesia, means... One of the words is, it means being called out. And the church is a people who are called out of the society with the mandate to impact that society. And so while we live in it, we don't just go along with everything that is talked about in our society. But we are there to impact that society with the truth. When we talk about the church, we need to understand two things. We need to understand that there is a universal church. This is made up of everybody who is, owns Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord. They've been born again of the Spirit of God. And they are, there's millions of us around the earth. Hallelujah. It is a church triumphant. Then there is the local church. That we're, here we are as a local group of people. Now, there are many local churches. There are many in our town. And they're all different. They all have a different flavor. But in every one of those churches, there are people who are born again of the Spirit of God. Not everybody is, but they are there. And so we honor, wherever we find other Christians, we honor them. Hallelujah. We're on the same side. We're not here as a local churches to compete against one another. We're here to cheer each other on and to bless each other and to honor each other and to respect each other. Whenever we meet somebody who's a bit different flavor from us, we need to honor them and bless them and enjoy them as part of the universal church. Hallelujah. Because they're all carrying aspects of the truth. This morning I want to take you into the book of Ephesians chapter 3. And three verses, 10, 11, and 12, which again begins to explain to us what this church is about. This is what it says. His intent, God's intention. Paul is beginning to talk about the mysteries, the mysteries of the gospel. There's seven of them, but this is one of them. And, and he, talks about, he talks about this. He said, his intent, God's intent was this, that... Through the church. You see, God's plan is through the church. With all its warts and its wrinkles and its difficulties, God still works through His church. Hallelujah. He does not have plan B. Oh, well, if the church doesn't work, I'll think of something else. This is it. You're it. <laughs> I'm it. Through the church, the manifold wisdom, this is God's intent, that through the church, 
the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. According to what? According to his eternal purpose. Those purposes that he worked out at the beginning of time, at the beginning of creation, he carries eternal purposes and those eternal purposes are to be carried out through the church. What are these, these eternal purposes? They, he accomplished them and he keeps on accomplishing them in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. God's intention. Say, so what's the truth, God? What's your intention? Well, my intention is that through the church, I need truth. The manifold wisdom, manifold truth concerning God and His ways will be made known in our society. Hallelujah. This is God's intention. This wisdom, this manifold wisdom, manifold means many, many folds, many aspects of his wisdom, the unfolding wisdom of God. It is through the church that God's wisdom is to be made known. That is why we teach and preach the Bible. We don't preach in this church the opinions of men. We've been singing about that this morning. We're here to preach and teach the book. Hallelujah. Because in here is the manifold many aspects of God's wisdom. This is what people need to know to come into freedom and to life. It's in the book. Hallelujah. Not only is this truth be made known to people, it also needs to be made known to principalities and authorities and powers. These are the demon spirits that have influence over geographical areas and over towns and cities. These evil spirits bring people into captivity by spinning a web of lies which people choose to believe. And spirits in a geographic area can bring whole communities under lies, under unbelief. And they begin to believe all sorts of things that are just not there, but through the church, the wisdom and the truth of God has been made known to even to those spirit beings. The church has authority over such spirits. These, the church has been given the keys of the kingdom to establish the truth over lies that perpetrate and run rampant through our families and through our society and through our towns and through our nation. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus was asking them, who do people say that I am? Who, who am I? And, and, and Peter came up with this, and Simon Peter answered and said, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you're Peter, and on this rock, what rock? The truth, the rock is the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We sung about the church and its foundation. 
Jesus is the foundation of the church. No other can be built upon that foundation. It's Him. Him alone, not Him plus, plus, plus. The church is on the foundation. And and upon that foundation, what foundation? The truth that Jesus is the Son of God. Because people say to me, well, He was a good man. He was a great teacher. He was a kind man. He did a whole lot of good. He's more than that. The truth is He's the Messiah. He is the Son of the living God, which is the starting point of of the revelation of all truth that God wants us to understand. And if we miss that, we wander and open to all sorts of other possibilities. See, somebody said to me when I was at university, he said, how can he be just a good man and not the son of God? When he he said he's the son of God, he said he was dead and he'd rise again. He said that he, he, he lives in heaven, he's come and he's going back again. Either he's telling a whole pack of lies or he is who he says he is. The choice is pretty clear. He's not... If he's not the son of God, he was the biggest con man that walked the face of the earth. We don't have a fence to sit on here. We just need to understand the truth. And that truth is found in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he said, I will build my church. Hallelujah. We've been singing it this morning. That's the declaration of God. This is what I'm building in this generation. I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And he said, to this church I give, goes on and says, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. He gives authority to the church. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Please tell the people the truth. Jesus is saying, please let them know that I am the Son of God. And so we have this mandate that through the church and all around the earth, His church is expanding. Thousands and thousands of people are coming to Christ around the globe every week. There is a move of the Spirit of God that's unprecedented at the moment. We haven't seen that sort of move for the last 50 years break on our shores, but hallelujah, it's on the way. And the church is growing at a phenomenal rate all around the earth. This is what God is doing in the earth today. And I tell you what, it's a privilege to belong to his church. It's a joy to know what he's doing on the earth and to be able to walk with him and run with him. Hallelujah. And declare the truth concerning the son of the living God, the church. And he said, this church, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. You know, for years and years, I believed a lie. You say, I can't believe that. Well, it's true. I thought, whenever I read that verse, I used to think that here the the enemy and the devil was coming against the church and he was trying to break into the church and he was trying to smash down the gates and the walls and take people captive. And, and, And I thought, oh my goodness, Lord, protect us. And then I realized that It was the other way round. That the devil has locked the gates around people's lives, but the church, hallelujah, is on the move 
and not even the gates that he's closed and locked people in, not even they will be able to withstand the truth of the church as it marches forward in a victory after victory. See, the church is advancing. The kingdom of darkness will be broken through, both individually in people's lives, in Fano, in regions. The darkness will flee. The darkness will be reducing as the truth of Jesus begins to be told across our society by a triumphant church. Jesus said, I, he said, I tell you people, he said in Luke chapter 4, 18, there's an anointing upon me. He said, what sort of anointing is that, Jesus? He said, well, it's the same anointing that's going to be on you. He said, it's the anointing to preach the good news to the poor. It's the anointing to proclaim freedom to the prisoners. It's the anointing of God to recover the sight of the blind so that those who can't see today will see the truth tomorrow. It's the anointing that releases the oppressed. It's the anointing that proclaims the year of the Lord's favor. That's the anointing that's upon me. You say, what's the year of the Lord? It was the Jubilee year. In Israel, every 50 years, every 50th year, there was a Jubilee year. And the Jubilee, what would happen? The, uh, the, 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 the sacrificial lamb would be slain on the Day of Atonement. And as soon as that, the blood was shed and sprinkled on the mercy seat of God, the ram's horn trumpets would begin to sound throughout the nation. And the people would begin to know because on that day, every debt was forgiven. On that day, every slave was set free. On that day, families that had been scattered because of slavery, because of debt, because of difficulty, they returned home. They started their journey home. On that day, hallelujah, they came back to their lands and repossessed them. It was a time of a tremendous joy, great jubilation. Singing and laughter filled the land. That anointing was on Jesus. It's on you. It's on me. It's the anointing that's on the church. We are there to carry it. To discover the truth is a freeing thing. Do you understand that most of the problems in your life and mine are because somewhere along in our life we've believed a lie? Someone told us something and we believed it and has dogged us all the days of our life until we find the truth about that. Many of the problems, many of the fears, many of the disabilities that we find and the shyness even in our lives, the fears that plague us are because we're believing a lie that's just not true. They bring us into captivity. That lie spins its web and destroys in people the likeness of Jesus. It brings people under a bondage of guilt and of sin and of fear. It just doesn't have to be. You and I are created 
and being chosen by God to declare the truth. That we can be free from all these things. Hallelujah. We don't need to believe rubbish anymore. Jesus said in John 8.32, you'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Hallelujah. Remember the day you found Jesus as Savior and Lord? You never thought he was like that, huh? You never thought that he loved you. So many people are afraid of God. So many people keep away from God because they believed a lie that he doesn't really care about them. He's not interested, but he is. He loves us with an unfailing love. Hosea, the old prophet to Israel, he was watching the nation of Israel go down the gurgler. They'd rejected God's ways of living and turned to their own ways. They made stone and wooden idols and called them their gods, bowing down to them, praying with them. Imagine, take a bit of wood, I'll take a bit of plastic. Well, I'll change that into a god and I'll, I'll, I'll worship that. You take a, ha, ha, what sort of a lie is that? Oh, hey, this is looking pretty good. We could make that into something. We could bow down to that. We, we could bring it gifts. And, and wow, that's a God. Look at the shape of that. We make that into a God. And he was watching his nation go down the gurgler because of this. They were bowing down to these gods. They didn't, they didn't even know what was right anymore. And Hosea cries out in Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, My people are being destroyed through lack of knowledge. I see this over and over again in people's lives. They just don't know the truth. And their lives are being fragmented. Their lives are being minimized and brought down, down, down through lack of knowledge. Paul was talking about the Roman people in Romans chapter 1 and verse 25. He says, these people, what did they do? They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the Creator who is forever praised. Wow. What have you exchanged the truth for? Over the years, when you look back, how many lies did we believe back there? That we couldn't be any different. That things couldn't change. That we were just going to have to accept the status quo. That we're just going to be average forever. We exchanged the truth for a lie. And these people were like this. Because of this, God handed them over and, and every kind of evil and wickedness exploded amongst the Roman people of the day. Eventually, the nation was destroyed from within. Not from an army outside of it, but inside of it. Because they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. You know, so often this happens to us. Why, why, why when people swear, do they use the name Jesus Christ? What, 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 why do we do that in anger? Why, why don't we swear in saying Buddha or Muhammad 
or Confucius? Why do we? Why in our society do we use the name of Jesus Christ? The devils know if we use that, it confuses people from the truth of who He is. Confuses them. People use the phrase "bloody," "bloody this" and "bloody that." Excuse me as I use it. But the origin of that word was the blood of Jesus Christ. And you see, again, the devils throw it in and confuse the people so they don't know the truth of the power of the blood of Jesus to bring salvation. And so the lie is perpetrated again and again and again. And they use, in our swearing, they use holy S and holy F and holy this and holy that and attach some unclean word to that. Why is that? So that we miss the truth about, about holiness and, and, and the love of God and how the pathway to become into righteousness. And we exchange the truth for a lie. And it confuses our society. We need to be careful what we believe. It's so believe, believe something that is not true. Someone sent me this one day for my birthday. It says on there, over the hill. And you know, guess what it looks like? They were having a good laugh hey, at my expense. And I enjoyed that. That's funny. Then I thought about it. I don't accept that. I'm not over the hill. This was me. saying, mate, another birthday gone. You're over the hill, mate. Now I've got to decide whether that's the truth or whether that's a lie. It's a, thank you. <laughs> Am I going to be over the hill for the rest of my days? I tell you, the only hill I'm on is on the top of the hill. And if I'm over that hill, I'm down in the valley running across there and getting up to the other side to climb the next mountain. Hallelujah. And we've got to, even a simple thing like that is just an illustration of how easily we can believe something that just not true, but begins to paint a picture for us that before long we are believing and walking in. I tell you what, we were having a race, all of us guys, and Wayne and Reuben and all the other young fellas were running. We were running 5,000 5, metres. And, and, and I was running around the track. And I'm coming around the, the track and I... We had to go around, I don't know how many times, but I'm running. And I come around the track, and, and all these young fellas, I come around the corner, and they're all down the straight ahead of me. And I thought, oh my goodness, I've got to catch up to those fellas. And so I sped up, and I caught up to them, only to discover that I was actually lapping them. <laughs> no over the hill for me, I'm telling you that. See, we need to hold the truth. We need to hold the truth. Now, hold it well. What was I going? Oh, yes. This is a note that I have on my wall in my office. See this? It might look like I'm sitting here doing nothing, but I work so fast, I'm always finished. See, it depends on your attitude. Depends on your attitude. What else can I tell you? We're coming down to the end. I was going to tell you a story. 
Where is it? You see, we can hold the truth, church, and we do hold the truth, but it's how you declare the truth. Sometimes you, it's no use telling the, no use telling the whanau, you're all going to hell. It's no use being angry. It's no use being argumentative. There's a way to hold the truth. And we need to hold the truth with discretion and with grace. If we're going to win people to Jesus, yes, He is the truth. Here's the story of a discretion. Six retired Texans were playing poker in the condo clubhouse when Willie loses $500 in a single hand. He clutches his chest, drops dead at the table. Showing respect for their fallen comrade, the other five completed their playing time standing at the table. Gus looks around and asks, now, who is going to tell his wife? They draw straws and Harry picks the short one. They tell him to be discreet. Be discreet, Harry, please. Be gentle. Don't make a bad situation any worse, Harry. Discreet, says Harry. I'm the most discreet person you will ever meet. Discretion is my middle name. Leave it to me. Harry goes over to Willie's house, knocks on the door and the wife answers and asks what he wants. Harry declares, your husband just lost $500 and he is afraid to come home. What? She hollers, tell him to drop dead. Okay, Harry says, I'll go tell him. <laughs> There's a way to handle the truth. There's a way to handle crisis. Anyway, I just thought I'd throw that in. Finishing off, what are the intentions of God for you and me? In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 and 28, there are three things that God intends to do for me and for you, and for this town. The first, he said, let's make man in our image. And in the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. Do you know that ultimate intention of God has never changed? The wisdom of God through the church is simply one, to declare that we can be restored to the likeness of God, hallelujah because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross. The second thing it says in Genesis chapter 1, 27 to 28 was this, let man rule over the face of the earth. In other words, God's intention that was man was to reign in life. Mankind was not to be pushed around by the lies and the deceptions of evil, but he was to take authority and begin to reign in life and begin to rule in life. He said to the church, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. I give you the keys of the kingdom. That's God's intention for you and for me. We live above the circumstances, not below the circumstances. Through the church, this wisdom is to be declared. And thirdly, God wanted man to walk with him in the Garden of Eden. Wanted him to have fellowship. Wanted to be in relationship. And so our verse... In, in Ephesians says that in Him and through faith in Him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. Wow. I don't know what you believe about God, but He loves you. He cares about you and me. 
I don't know what you've believed in the past, but boy, God's such a good God. You can trust Him with your life. You can trust Him with your future. Don't believe what other people say about Him. Believe what the Bible says about Him and trust Him implicitly. How can we walk with Him? The Bible says we become into His likeness by sanctifying them through the truth. Thy word is truth. It's the Bible that explains the truth. Jesus said you'll know the truth and the truth will liberate you. The, the truth will begin to break through the thoughts and imaginations that exalt themselves against God. Begin to give you the victory over things that you've never been able to win before. In Proverbs 23 and verse 23, it simply says this. This is Solomon, one of the wise men that lived. Buy the truth and don't sell it. Get wisdom, discipline and understanding. Today, it's my privilege to declare to you the truth about Jesus. Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. He is the deliverer from all evil. He's the healer of every sickness. Jesus is the restorer of broken lives. Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, is the forgiver of every sin that's ever been committed. This Jesus is the gateway back into the arms of a loving Father. And He went to the cross to make it all possible. In church, you and I are ones who hold up the truth and declare it to this far north area. To God be praised. Thank you.